I wanna be the best in the game, invest in my name, check no restraints, I'm obsessed with the pain, I ingest, I retain, assess and I change, possessed by the thought I'll be free one day from society's restraints, money, clout and fame, mud disease, a plague, we all love to hate, have to play the game, have to make a name, all our insecurities are on This display. is war with the enemy, think that it was meant to be, living in a time where disease is on every screen. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Tactical Awareness. Uh, this is a Season 1, Episode 5, uh, going to your first event. Now, this is an um, ongoing series where we are going through in our first season some common beginner topics, trying to get sort of all the jargon shook out um, and give maybe some useful evergreen sort of uh, fundamental concepts for playing Infinity and 4 by Corvus Belly. Now, if you haven't listened to episodes one through four, it might be useful to do so because, of course, there's going to be some some callbacks during this episode. I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Owen and Dan, uh, for another lively discussion this time around uh, about why it's important and even incredibly useful for a new player, someone new-ish to Infinity, after you played a few games, to go and go to an Infinity event, play against multiple people, um, and be exposed to different ways of playing and just playing more than one game in a day. So let's jump in and listen to our hosts talk about going to your first event. Hey everybody and welcome back. Uh, today we are talking about the the, the event, the, the going and playing in an Infinity event. Um, in fact, your first event. This is an ongoing series uh, where we are of course going through and talking about some hmm, kind of like getting into Infinity fundamentals. So whether you're a veteran war gamer, whether you are a... Um, brand new to tabletop gaming tabletop gamer or you are uh just trying out a new game uh this was designed to kind of like ease you through the process and as a callback warning we are going to reference some stuff from episodes one two three and four um of this season one of tactical awareness and talk about it so if you have hear any terms you understand go back and listen to those episodes uh so going all the way back uh to last episode we talked a little bit about feelings uh, about how it can how it can feel uh uh when things go wrong and getting good at playing bad i think it's a big um sort of like common theme to people when they get into infinity it's kind of unforgiving and brutal uh rule set in the beginning stuff can just die you don't have a lot of pieces so there's not a lot of like do-overs when things die um and we got some feedback on those feelings episodes so let's uh, let's dive into that before we get into the topic of the week um and the first one was uh, active turn dodging. I one had a hot take on active turn dodging. And it was kind of the one we had the most, most like discussion about. Uh, the big take that we kind of got almost overall was for people that have only been playing N4, um, it's just part of the game. It's it's kind of as it's as common as uh, you know, like using smoke to get around a corner or zero viz um eclipse grenades and stuff like that. It, it it's just a mechanic that is part of the game. And I get that. I get that feeling. Um, but also uh, coming from N3 with Owen and watching that like lurch of having to learn a new mechanic, I get the emotional reaction I think that took place too. Um, and I think that's valid still. So uh, the the last part that was kind of a question for Owen, I guess, from the audience was uh, the if it's just part of the game, like why would you go so hard on the no take backs thing? Because that was some, something you kind of like you you kind of jumped on during the episode. So did you want to talk a bit more about that? Like what was the, what was your intent behind that? Um, I mean, there's, there's not too much more to say on it. Like my, my perspective is, is that fine. It's an aspect of the game. 
Um, there's lots of aspects of the game that are gamey, and I view this as one of them. Uh, I know people had a lot of different opinions on like other interactions that were were like silly or things like that, or a lot of things in N3, like like the one that I bring up all the time is the Shisura and Sixth Sense. Um, yeah, I think another one that came up was um, using a spotlight hacking program to dodge a missile because technically it does because it's face to face. A lot of people, a lot of people find that weird, and it is weird anytime you have two things affecting each other and the dice are being rolled. Generally, it's face to face, and you can cancel a you can cancel a guided missile attack as long as that person's in your zone of control with a spotlight. Uh, okay, fair enough. I haven't heard that one. Um, <laughs> so, so if the missile bot has like a, um, as in like one of your repeaters ranges when it shoots you in your hacker, you could spotlight that missile bot. And because it was face to face, because it's two two affecting skills, then they would cancel each other. And it sounds weird, but that's how it works, right? Anytime two effects are opposed and dice are being rolled by both um, active and reactive models, then it becomes face to face, and one cancels the other. Why would being spotlit affect the outcome of the other one? Because they're a face-to-face role. That's the general rules of face-to-face roles in Infinity. No, 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 no. The requirement to be a face-to-face role is that it has to affect the other. Action. It does. It creates a state. It creates the targeted state. But that doesn't affect the action that it that do- person's it doing. Does- no, it's not. It it doesn't require. It just requires dice to be rolled. It the it causes a status effect, and it's non-lethal, but it causes a status effect on the. Um, it's just like a blind grenade being non-lethal. It affect. It has a cause and effect, right? So it it does actually stop it it's one that came up in the comments like a, a bunch of times over how is those this are... faq somewhere then uh it's it's reiterated in the faq but it's a core mechanic of the game because the core the core mechanic is for actions to be resolved with a face-to-face role both troopers must affect each other directly yep. if either and... action does not affect the outcome of the other use normal roles and it does so... because the, the action is the action affects the outcome because it creates a state on the other model. And that just because the state's targeted doesn't mean that it doesn't affect the other model. So it causes a face-to-face role. I know it's breaking your brain right now and you hate it and it's not right, but it is actually the way the rules work. Okay. <laughs> um, and generally speaking, that is the, that is the key rule is that if both players are rolling dice and causing an effect or status effect on each other so this... over the course of an arrow, then you would, you would be face-to-face and one would cancel the other. So spotlight stops every attack. It's always a face-to-face roll. Uh, if it's targeting the model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if, if you're both targeting each other. And I do yep. spotlight. Yep, absolutely. It'll always be a... And vice versa, if someone was like trying, if you were in like Trinity range with a hacker, uh, but you chose to like shoot your shotgun instead, they would affect each other. So shotgunning a guy who's trying to Trinity you, you would be face-to-face. Okay. It, it makes more sense there, you know what I mean? Or like oblivioning you. If someone's trying to oblivion you and you're firing a shotgun, the targeted one kind of makes the least sense because it's non-lethal. But oblivion doesn't make any sense either. Um, being, why does why does isolated state cause my attack to no longer function? Isolated it, as a state because it's, change the effect. Because it's like shutting down your visor. It's shutting down your computer. You know what I mean? Like there's a bunch of like, you could think of a bunch of no, like no, thematic reasons makes for sense. doing it. Because immobilized does prevent you from shooting. But let's say that like oblivion is causing your whole helmet to shut down and you have to like pull your helmet off now to see and you can't talk to anybody. Like there's a bunch of reasons why oblivion could also work, right? It's like screwing up your telemetry or something. Like I, I'm not, I don't want to argue like the background semantics of it. I'm just saying sure. that those are, that, that uh, they they don't feel right in the but same my, sort of way as the actual okay. does. Then, then to go to my point then, 
the fact that there are other ones does not change this in any way. No, absolutely. And like, you're having the same emotional reaction like, right now. That listening you to this is like, but that's not what the rules say. Like I can it read the dumb. line. It does not affect the outcome of the other. It they doesn't. do. They know if it it does not affect not affect the outcome. It affects the status of the other. But that's right? not what so. the rules say. The rules say if either action does not affect the outcome of the other, use normal rules. Being targeted would not affect the outcome of a shot. In like, this case, it does because it's a it has they an can attack say that line. That's the way it it has an attack line, and it creates a status effect even though it's not lethal. And and discover has a move, and it's not a move. Mm-hmm. I like I I'm okay with the fact that rules <laughs> like that are like they're antithetical to the way their own rules are written, and so I have a reaction to it. Like mm, I think mechanically it works. Uh, I think that I think that because it uses an attack profile, right? Like Spotlight has an attack profile just like a, an like a Trinity does. They have the exact same attack profile. It just happens to not have a damage stat and be non-lethal. And there's a bunch of arguments actually. Um, people making comments about that in general like how spotlight should have a damage give spotlight damage 13 non-lethal and make it a bts roll and that way you can actually avoid spotlights because right now you can't even avoid it once you're hit by it right it just creates a status effect if it was more like oblivion right where it had a damage profile and you got to save against it afterwards um i don't know is that oblivion what am i thinking of maybe i'm thinking they do yeah they have a damage stat yeah Yep, but it, it was more like that where like it, it would make more sense that they're face to face right because it's create it's a it, yes it has a damage stat and yes you're making a save roll just like any other attack so them being face to face kind of feels more right um but just the fact that it's non-lethal and it creates an effect is sort of like the net result at the end as opposed to causing a wound um so anyway yeah <laughs> short story long now as we get into the weeds about this um those are all examples i think great examples and the audience kind of um our listeners kind of came up with a bunch of other examples of stuff that has that same kind of status effect not status effect um a mental effect and creates like these situations where uh you kind of feel betrayed by the rules a little bit and you kind of feel like you don't like you you're in a position that you didn't necessarily in into it yourself into and you have to like sit back and and um and redigest and and for and obviously I think the net results and everybody can agree is that if you start, if you start in a place where that's the norm and you don't come from somewhere where the rule was different, then you're going to not have that same kind of reaction to it. So I, I get that from the listeners as well, how if this is just always the way it was, it's just a, a core part of the game. And just like using eclipse grenades or blind grenades or something like that, you're able to like, and you, you don't get that same sort of like emotional reaction from it. Um, other comment, there's some other things like that. Total immunity, for instance, uh, like the fact that um, forward observing, you're immune to being forward observed, but not spotlit. So you can still be targeted, but total immunity actually makes you immune to the targeted state from being forward observed because it's a BS attack. Uh, but the hacking program works. So like you have this weird like corner case where you can still suffer the state, but you're immune to it if it comes one way and not immune if it comes from a different way, which kind of doesn't make any sense um and yeah and and just other sort of like similar kind of interactions that were were in that kind of vein um so that was kind of our, that was those are big takeaways from the last episode which i thought was good i, I think it, it stirred up a healthy discussion um and at the end it was sort of like it, it just sort of reiterated the point that everybody's going to react differently to different things i think we said that in the beginning dan you um you said that only competitive people can tilt 
And and I think that the, the great thing that we kind of saw from the listeners afterwards was that 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 statement I made afterwards, which was like, I think people can tilt for all kinds of reasons. Like if they just didn't even know what a model was being proxied as, like it, it can cause tilt. And we got all of that kind of as, as a response, all different sort of like gamut of those things. I think the spotlight thing's just made up. <laughs> all right. I mean, I could, I, I'm... I'm 99% sure it's right. Uh, it's not referenced at all in the FAQ. The closest oh, you God, get... Oh, it's doubling down now. The, the closest <laughs> you get, which I agree is also weird that it comes up in the FAQ, is the fact that non-lethal attacks that you have total immunity against can be used in face-to-face -face against total immunity guys. Mm -hmm. That's silly. Why would he even... It should be like... Berserk. It shouldn't like, care. The bear doesn't yeah, care. <laughs> like, if you're going to hit me with something that isn't going to affect me, why am I afraid of being hit by it? Like, that's kind of my thinking. Mm -hmm. But that's as close as you get. Other than that, like, Carbonite, it references multiple times because Carbonite would prevent you from doing an attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. Maybe somebody will post a link somewhere to some obscure forum thread or like an iteration of the rules <laughs> i don't think it's gonna be that i think it's gonna be um uh that you're just trying to model a is trying to do something to model b and it <laughs> recorded that and it recorded D &D. Nice there'll be a twitter post by some uh, i don't think that's like, it this is I, I think it's okay. way simpler i think you're looking for proof that you so, don't need to look for <laughs> so here, here's an argument though is yeah. that if i have an attack that can only do one wound i guess mm -hmm. you can always crit Let's say you're a tag, you're three hit points. If I crit even, it's impossible for you to die. Mm -hmm. Then why is it a face-to-face -face roll if it's not changing the outcome? Um, because it causes a status effect and they're trying to affect each other. If two, wait, so I'm on but the that's, that's, right more, that's more for Owen. Oh, I got so, you. I see what you're saying. So it's like because I'm just confused at all. It's like because like what what is the face-to-face so, -face roll? It's so face-to-face -face like, roll as the Infinity Wiki for N4 defines, which I'm on right now. Um, is when two or more troopers act at the same time to try and thwart each other's progress. Doesn't say affect each other, it says thwart each other's progress. Face-to-face -face rolls are used to determine which side acts faster and more effectively. To do so, both players roll for their troopers involved in the face-to-face -face roll and compare each result to their success value as they would in a normal roll. Failures are simply discarded. Unlike a normal roll, each side's successes are compared to each other's. When comparing successes, cancel other enemy successes with a lower result. That's important. Um, for actions to be resolved with a face-to-face roll, must both troopers must affect each other directly. If either action does not affect the outcome of the other, the normal rolls are used, and that's it. That's that's the definition of a face-to-face roll. Is if they affect each other, then it's face-to-face. -face. And so targeted would be a face-to-face roll with ABS attack. How how do you reason dodging then? Well, how do you reason forward effect? observing? You can forward observe uh, and be shot, and the forward observe roll can cancel the shooting attack. That's that's what I'm saying is you shouldn't. And okay, but I'm saying, but it does. My, my argument is because seen, if either action does not affect the well, my point is that like, like, but they do affect each other, right? It creates a state on the other model, and the idea is that they're, the they're outcome. It but it doesn't say it has to affect the outcome. The rules here say it does not. actually. That big red box that you read, where it says if either effect does not affect the they, outcome of no, the other, no, it doesn't say the outcome. It says for actions to be resolved with a face-to-face roll, both troopers must affect each other directly. If either action does not affect the outcome of the other, use face-to-face -face rolls instead. So, yeah, they so it do does exactly say what I said. If, if right, either the, action <laughs> does not affect the outcome of the other. But they do affect the outcome of the other. If someone shoots you before you forward observe them, then you're affected. If someone forward observes you before you shoot them, that's that's the opposed role there, right? So they affect each other and they can affect the outcome of each other. But uh, saying that saying that sticking your head up and forward observing someone faster than they can pull up a gun and shoot you doesn't affect each other is, 
I don't understand what the disconnect that you're having here is, I guess is what I'm saying. But we'll take this offline for the <laughs> sake of brevity and the fact that we're getting out of rabbit hole right now. And we'll let the listeners, uh, we'll let the listeners hash this one out in the Discord afterwards. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I will, I will eat eat shit for it. I promise you. I will absolutely own. I will get on my hands and knees and tell you you're right and that you're the greatest rules reader of all time. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm I'm probably wrong <laughs> because that's just the way it is these days. It seems okay. So, it's always been so, that way, though. It's always been that way. With FOs I'm just confused. Guns. So, just to clarify, is it if someone's attacking you and you can roll something at them, then it's a face to face? If if two skills, right? So let's say Ford Observe, which is a skill, and BS Attack, which is a skill, are targeting the the models who are um like the active and reactive model so if an active model is targeting the reactive model and the reactive model in turn is targeting the active model then because dice are being rolled it becomes face to face right so so anytime you're doing something that would affect the person who is active or reactive then those two roles become opposed and one can cancel the other the idea being that like Let's say you're trying to for, you're trying to stick your head up and forward observe somebody to give them the targeted state, and that person's trying to shoot you to keep your head down. Then those two the roles would be opposed, and one could cancel the other. Okay, so why is dodge opposed then? Because it rolls dice. You have to make a fizz check. Right, but you're not affecting the other person or targeting them. You are affecting them because you are. So you're affecting the outcome of the result because dodge is um uh like, like a reset is a cancellation of their attack. So just like a forward observe, just because it doesn't. Just because it doesn't I can actually give you a better answer, Dan. Because okay. it specifically states that dodge is a face-to-face. Yeah, it's always a face-to-face role. As, as okay. is reset, yeah. Okay. There you uh, go. But but just because it's it's a I guess it's a reactive skill. I guess it's also an active skill now, too, because it's in the active turn. But um it's rolling dice is generally the rule. If you are rolling dice uh, in opposition to somebody else's skill, then you are face-to-face. Okay. But that's the same reason why a direct template isn't. A face-to-face roll, right? Because there's no dice rolled when you lay a template. Right. Except if it's a blast. So like a blast a isn't a direct template. A blast is a, a blast is a um an impact template, which is different. Ah, there you go. Right, but an impact template is one roll compared to everybody else's rolls. It's just basically a multiple face-to-face roll, as opposed to the the template, which doesn't require a roll to succeed. You have to succeed in your skill check for the template to actually have an effect on anything that's that's touching it. All right. Well. All right. Well, if you say so. <laughs> that's what that's the definition of face to face roll. Well, there are rules that cause emotional reactions. So um, let's jump into what's been going on this week. You guys just played two games in a row, and uh, as Owen cycles through his armies and units that uh, are fun to skew, uh, Dan got to experience some new units today. So, what mission did you guys play, and uh, and how did it go? We played Armory, and so. Like on paper, I'm like reading Armory. I'm like, oh yeah, it's gonna be all close combat, just fighting around in this thing. And then I realized quite quickly, it's a glass house as well. It's so easy to see inside of it and almost impossible to get cover. And so I'm like, oh, well, I didn't bring a list that's super great against this. <laughs> I, I almost always put some crates or something inside, like in the middle, just so that somebody can get some cover at some point going inside. Because otherwise, you're right, it's like total turkey shooting there. Oh, can you do that? You can put stuff in the building. Yeah, why not? It's just a train piece, right? The building itself is defined, but the interior you can put extra train in, put scatter and stuff like that. Nothing stop you yeah. from doing it. 
Well, there you go. Anyway, neither side benefited from terrain. <laughs> it was it was a turkey shoot. Um, yeah, and I was playing O12, and uh, he was playing Hack and Slam, and uh, his hackers are better than mine, and uh, also. Uh, Sundick butt is better than everything I have. Uh, <laughs> Sundick butt. <laughs> oh no. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, 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 that's what that does. Oh, okay. And then the dice weren't like super great for me either. And so I was like, ah, I got a Panzer Faust through the back of him. Oh, he survived. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, Sundick butt is is great in this meta too because viral um rifles are just like the answer to all the bears and all the all all the things that are not immune to viral i had this great moment where hippolyta was unconscious in there and then parvati sent in one of her bots to suicide to uh to resurrect uh she's unconscious uh, in there and two alpha zids are suppressing and the subject butter in the room oh my god but anyway right. carry on <laughs> So then my bronze is in the room. The other guy suppressing is outside the room and I'm going second. And so if Hippolyta can kill Sundikbud, uh, then I'll have more points in the zone. And so I get her up. The bot gets just destroyed. There's like nine attacks targeted. Was it nine? Six? Eleven? No, ten. Yeah, <laughs> ten attacks to blow it up. And then, then Hippolyta gets up and it's like, all right, time to berserk. And I fly across the room six inches and I just go, wah! And I uh, I get a plus ten, no crits. <laughs> oh my so god! So it's like, what are you gonna do? Uh, so I hit him, explosive cold combo weapon. He needs to make like a fourteen save to be alive, and he makes all three. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> and so betrayal. otherwise, that was like a tie to maybe either one of us winning. Uh, probably anyway it was gonna be a close game because i i got the zone first turn and that was the second turn the third turn he was definitely gonna do because everything else was gonna be dead and then we re we re-racked and played again and i had to go first and then it's so much hard going first on that mission um, yeah to hold that zone and then i made some silly choices and it was just kind of you never until you like experience the close combat craziness with the outside shooting and all the different decisions you have to make and all the ramifications of mines and just, oh, there's just so much going on. It's You have to play it to, to even comprehend what's going on. Yeah, it's a great mission. It Funneling everything into, actually, it gets even worse when you get to um, Panic Room because it's like a mini biotech floor, except it's coming from all four sides and it's slowly creeping towards the room because you have to try and get in the Panic Room by the end and there's like this like killer cold or death zone or whatever that's like creeping up on you um that's my you, you should try panic room next after armory because it's just it's armory on steroids like it's just like a it's an extra level of insanity because you're trying to you're trying to get there as quick as you can or hold near the heaters that are also slowly like turning off um so that you can you can you can hold that zone so like the pressure is really on to go into it and it, you can't really have overwatching pieces that that are capable of um like they'll serve they might survive but they can't end the game outside the or outside the, the death zone uh and then you have to like um you have to get that that craziness going even quicker it's fun though on a big a big killy piece like hippolyta that that tends to like have to pick their moment on a big open table gets to really shine you know what I mean? he gets to pull like a full rorschach and be like I'm, I'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me at the end of the game yeah, yeah. The, the second game i was like oh i'll just kill this guy that's uh in melee with me 
and uh, I'm in melee, so you can't. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna sundick that four shots into me, and then hit that crit on a four, <laughs> and then destroy just, me. Just Dang remember, it. just remember, o- Owen's life, Owen's troopers' lives are always short. <laughs> Chief, there's <laughs> not Gazi's lives are even shorter. That's right. Yeah, the short the day lobbies he, don't live. He dodges long, and, and engages the Gazi, and I'm like, I'm okay with this. <laughs> this is the best possible outcome for me. Sundek Mud walks into the room and stands behind you. <laughs> so right. nuts. It just looms. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's uh, Owen's willingness to sell the lives of his own men is um what's the word? It's Branaginian in nature. <laughs> He'll happily send them uh wave after wave of his men into the death bots. Yeah. I and started was... try I tried to yeah. do the same thing where I was like, ooh, nine point model, walk up and double, you know, chain call. Oh, this goes up and did that, and then they just and he just kept making his armor saves. So I was like, Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> That's funny. Dan, Dan was learning the the peace trading aspect by the end of the second game, where it was like, wait a second, I don't have to come out of this room alive if I just template everywhere, and mm. either he dies or he dodges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, peace trading is a huge thing. We haven't actually defined, I think, peace trading yet, and that might be a useful season two topic uh, to talk about because it, it trading up with cheap pieces and template pieces and, and direct template weapons and CC attacks and stuff like that, or even just like trading up by like jamming onto a model, you know what I mean? Yeah, throwing like a cheap warband into base to base with a tag and forcing it to waste like two, three, four orders, like dodging away or trying to like finally crush me with your hands. It's a skill in and of itself. And it's a big making orders futile is a big part of, um, the infinity learning curve after you've kind of like got the fundamentals down. So it'd be a good one, I think, to do like a separate topic on. So so what did you take on overall? Obviously, the, the highlights we heard from Dan were Sonic Foot, Sonic Foot, Gazi. Uh what what else was in this list? I was ran two alpha zeds in a room suppressing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's I just heard I heard it, I heard 200 points of your army in yeah, uh, it was uh, like five it was models. Like, <laughs> it was like nine orders. <laughs> it wasn't even really an army. No, and like, like Saladin, and then uh, and then some like cheapo camo that mm-hmm. never moved. It was just the the things that you heard were the only ones that acted in the game. Oh my god, you one of your down with the thickness lists where where you you just took big boys. The Alpha Zeds duo each other and then just walk around shooting missiles and HMGs or shooting rockets and HMGs and then. Uh, and that was it. So for those of you listening, Owen really is an agent of chaos. Like he takes things like that that no one else really thinks about taking on a whim. And then, yeah, and then shoves them into the room and in, in, in armory and makes Hippolyta have to make really bad choices. Well, the two alpha sids are just like, I drop a mine. I drop a mine. Oh, I forgot oh, the mine layers too. I drop Jesus. a mine. Yeah. Oh, I have six cents? Okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to I'm gonna hit you with... Uh, with um, it's the one blackout or whatever it is oblivion, oblivion? Yeah. and it's like oh no sorry you can't uh i'm a veteran that doesn't work on me yeah <laughs> don't care don't you're care. welcome to try i, I memorized I, I wrote the plan on my hand before we, we deployed yeah i uh, i learned that rule existed that game i was like oh okay yeah veteran is more than just a classification it's also a skill yes yeah, another time where things get copied twice um and sometimes it matters. that's this is why I didn't want to do like a, a until until ITS fifteen comes out. I don't really want to do anything on classifieds because they might just change and they lean so hard into those classifications that don't make a ton of sense. Like they make the sense from like some a, of the factions just don't have any of certain ones. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's real. I mean, Ariadne does does have the war driver, like, but like Toha has like a, a, a like a defensive hacker and I oh no, not not even driver. the hacking ones. I'm talking about things like uh like like do you have a an HQ troop or like a veteran troop or something? Oh like, HQ and veteran troops, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like 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 Steel Phalanx, surprisingly, if I recall correctly, is the one of the ones that is like very lacking. Yeah, well, that's why the ITS thing made all of the name characters HQ troops. So actually, Steel Phalanx has yeah. thousands of them, but they don't you don't know they are until you read the start of the ITS booklet and it says anybody with a name counts as a veteran troop. It's the yeah. long service uh, we're gonna, or whatever. We're, we're going to add that in as paragraph number 15 on a modifications to the rules for the yeah. ITS season. We're going to patch this because these guys don't actually have any veteran troops. They just have war bands and, and light infantry. Yeah. So like what, so just briefly without going too far off topic, like I'm like clicking through on the app and there's like elite troops, spec trained troops, veteran troops. Uh, it, it means absolutely nothing until it doesn't <laughs> until there's like three or four things in ITS sometimes that will like there's one called net undermine in the in the the um, classified deck which uh, it requires you to be a veteran or HQ troop and then you get to get in your opponent's half of the table and pass a whip check and go ha huh, I knew all along this was going to be the way this half of the table was and you score a point. Like it's, it's just it's like a random easy to get, but you better have the right guy yeah. there. Yeah, as long as you have one person with a name that can step over the line, you just basically automatically get it because they usually have they typically have like a good whip roll. Um, but what Owen and I are sort of like kvetching about right now is the fact that it was it it, it feels tacked on and it's just kind of a random thing. And so for you listening people, this is it, we don't spend a ton of time on it because again, it's just sort of a. It's just sort of a um, a vestigial it, it thing that's probably be, not going to be around. It made more sense when there were less random things. Yeah, like, and when it was more of an RPG, or early yeah. editions of the game, those things made sense because they tended to be like how you actually broke Garen, army down. Garrison troops were the ones you had AVA more than two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's li- or yeah, you had AVA <laughs> five. Uh, yeah, yeah, Garrison troops were that. What was the other one? Um, veteran troops were always... Almost like always on the veteran skill, and you had like one or two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, support troops were always like your weirdo engineers or uh, doctors or um, hackers. Uh, yeah, it's become more defined over the over time, but it typically like kind of reflected in your AVA back then. Uh, all right, so that's uh, there's a we, we just got right into the weeds this week. <laughs> so um, for me, I have finished off some of my um, just odds and ends for my OSSS, and then did the thing and ordered more. Uh, I found an Andromeda for sale, and I also, more importantly, I found someone who had the turquoise tufts <laughs> that I was using for my steel flanks that I'd run out of. Not the steel flanks, sorry, my OSSS um and they also had an andromeda so i just placed rush motor for them so i picked up a box of yadus i picked up another set of the um the remotes um i i picked up a box of post humans so the basic post human box because i just want the hacker ap spitfire and the doctor um because you know you're you're dropping 48 points for being able to stand three places on the board and do all kinds of jobs and i didn't realize you can also give the doctor a uh uh, you'd bought if you want so you can just have it also be able to walk around so you can just sit up high um, and it kind of gives that uh, post-human the, the inability to die because you hide the doctor and have the you go and push the buttons and stuff so i'm happy with that i could add that i did collect an army of us area 
Oh, okay. You did that too? That was also this week? Okay. Yeah. Oh, because oh, you had a bunch of odds and ends left, didn't you, after you got rid of um, Ariadna when you moved and, and you, like, topped it off? Well, I found uh, the U.S. Ariadna army box and then a collection of the standalones. Hmm. So I might actually, I might actually re-sculpt the uh, Devil Dog as my other bear pod. I feel like he'd be a really He's good so bear pod. He's, He's so bigger big. than the other ones too. Like, I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's and the bear, surprising because the bear pod that's the the off like the cocaine bear, the one that's not regular and can't take cover. Um, cocaine bear has a shotgun as opposed to having a chain rifle. So oh, I, the, I, the standalone devil dog does have a shotgun, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a shotgun. Yeah, there's one with a knife and one with a shotgun. One with a pistol and a knife, which is just weird. And then the other one has a shotgun. So I might pistol use the shotgun knife one. Is the starter set one. Yeah, yeah that's the starter set one. Yeah. So I think I think I might use uh, the shotgun one as my cocaine bear and like resculpt his head, or like maybe try and like um, cast the head of uh, of the the bear pod and have like a second bear, and do do double bear uh, when I get around to doing my cosmoflot. So that was me this week. I didn't get to play any games, but I do have some games coming up. Um, I did build a whole table of Bandua terrain, um, their container city, which I'm pretty pumped for because we have oversold uh, now Winter War. And I'm having to make extra tables of terrain, which I'm excited about it. Uh, the, um, the, the, the table itself is pre-painted. It's the ready for battle stuff from Bandua. And it's kind of like um, it's kind of like these giant, they're like a foot long. And probably like five or six. They're taller than a. What I'm excited about is they're taller than a size eight profile. So they're taller than the uh, the Maggie. So Maggie can't just climb over top of it. But it'll be this cool kind of like container, um, inside of a spacecraft uh, table. And it's got some gantries and some like uh, fuel pods. And then all the scatter train that came with it is piles of tires, which I thought was really neat. It's just loose tires, and you just glue them together into like tire piles. So it's going to have this neat kind of like scatter around it as well. So. Um, that's the 11th table. I had 10. Um, I'll have to figure out a 12th or else we bring one down. Maybe if we all, if we do go to 24, we're at 22 paid. We have two people registered who said they're going to send through their, um, their payments, uh, tonight. I am in a lock when, um, when this episode comes out on Monday, I am locking registration for winter war at midnight on Monday. Uh, so I can have two weeks to get any extra materials I need ready to to actually like support the event. I'm not going to let any registration happen after that. So if you didn't register uh, and you haven't heard all my shouts on Facebook and on um, Discord and uh, various other places about going and getting registered, and you're hoping to come down, you have until midnight Monday, the, I think the 9th, the 8th, what's the date today, the 4th? Yeah, the 8th, um, the 9th, yeah. Uh, so go get registered and I will make it happen. I will figure out how to find more terrain. I think we're going to run out of swag, but I'll I'll make the terrain happen. Everyone will get to play at least. Uh, so that was my week this week. Uh, and then let's dive into the topic. Uh, I also collected a bunch more 012. Oh, did you really? <laughs> what? Yeah, Boxing okay. Day sale. Uh, I, got a, I got a Monstrucker. Oh, nice. So that thought he'd be useful. Mm-hmm. Could throw some fast pandas and stuff. I got a Raptor box. I also got the the Alpha or the Beta box. So I got the whatever it was the, with the, the Alpha. Links. Yeah, the Alpha's amazing. The links and so I know I have, now I have two of them. So I have two Lynxes and two uh, uh, Razors. Nice. And it was it was just kind of like a, I took a moment and looked at because O twelve and Star Mata have so much overlap. Uh, I was just kind of like looking what makes O twelve unique, and I kind of wanted to just focus on O twelve and leave Star Mata for a while. Um, just because I was kind of swapping back and forth too much. Yeah. So just looking at O12 and it's just like, yeah, team serious. 
the the gangbusters, the the lynxes, the razors, just all that fun stuff of like, or even the gammas and the omega. And it was just like, okay, well, how how can I use these to more effect? But then also, it's like, how can I use the duos that are available to me with like mm-hmm. ranging guard? I also got two ranging guard. Uh, They're amazing. Yeah, do you have the raven? Yeah, you have the raven eye officer too, right? I do not have. I I often uh, proxy it, but I do not oh, have a raven eye. So good. So, so hard to get a hold of. I know because it, pre- it, it was a it was a it was a pre order miniature. There'll be an official one that comes out soon, but it was a pre order miniature because of um, I think it came as a pre order with the Morats. Uh, so was, they're, they're they're relatively hard to find. He was the one who uh, he, he searched, got multi specter visor level one, hid in the corner, went on light of mine, and went on suppression, and then he discovered the mine and blew up the mine and blew up the raven eye. That was <laughs> that was part of that story. I mean, for twelve points, you can't go wrong. Twelve point em emirat, uh, and then uh, em mine mine layer. He is a legit hero, um, and you can have two of them in Starmada, but just you get the one at least. I think always. Yeah, yeah. And it can be a lieutenant, which I think is amazing too. Like, why not just have a whip 13 lieutenant just laying in the back, laying mines? And it's cool because, like, the Kappa can be a lieutenant, but it costs one swick. Mm-hmm. But then the Raven Eye just it's free. doesn't. Yeah, just, no swick. Get it. So it's like, yeah, no why SDBC don't I ever bring cost. a Kappa? Yeah, he's just better in every way. <laughs> uh, you get the Tiangu too, which is cool. Um, it's a really neat, like, it has hollow projector. Uh, it has a couple of cool, like red, weird fury profiles with hollow projector too, with surprise attack and line layer, um, and can take mad traps. So there's a neat, uh, it's like a little one and done Yu Ching kind of like, uh, um, not mercenary, but like, uh, I, everyone, O12 seems to get lots of like, uh, seconded troops, you know, people who've been like seconded to you from either Aleph or other factions. Like you get, um, I also got the Casanova box, and then I gave the Shadow Vasti guy to Owen. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a cool. He's a neat. He's weird, but he's neat. And he's not that expensive, like 30-something points for an SMG, like, close-up specialist stealth guy. I think he's, like, 20-something points. 33. Oh, never mind. No, he's 33, uh, and he's 33 because he has, like, he has, like, a laundry list of skills. He has, like, martial arts 2, mind layer, courage, forward deployment 8, dodge plus 3, immunity shock, mimetism minus 6, specialist, stealth, and no wounding cap. And he's BTS 6, which is interesting. He's BTS six. I'm not sure why he's BTS six, because he has EM mines with his um, with his uh, what you want to call it, his uh, mine layer. So you can drop EM mines or shock mines, and then he's got a monofilament close call up in. That that's why I like them. It's like the no wounding in cap, uh, the immunity shock, mimetism minus six, and mine layer. And so you just kind of you can go up and kind of own one part of the board and be like, okay, come at me. Let's see what mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. He also has a monofilament close combo in minus three. I oh. don't know what the minus three means. I think it actually means you have to save it on uh, on. Um, no, no, it it imposes an additional minus three when fighting in close combat. Oh, in CC, you're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, CC yeah. up in minus yeah. three. Yeah, it's a minus. It's a, so on top of his martial arts minus two, he's a CC minus three with that weapon. So he's minus six to hit him back, which yep. is bonkers. Yeah, he's right. basically mimetism in melee. <laughs> he's pretty neat. He's pretty neat for sure. He's supposed to be. Uh, he's supposed to be uh, Spike Spiegel. I don't know who that is. What? He Spike Spiegel. doesn't watch cartoons. Oh, Dan, you wasted your life. Um, <laughs> I mean, I might know who it is, but I don't know by the name. <laughs> Spike Spiegel, you would know. He's from Cowboy Bebop. He's a very I've famous. I've never watched that. I've never anime. Watched that. He's a very famous anime character. Um, that you should you, go and watch now. So. 
Cowboy Bebop is basically Infinity, the, the TV show, so you should definitely go watch it. Did I ever tell you how I hated the aspect of Infinity, everything about the anime part of it? That's why I never played it before. Yeah, like, this is, yeah. This is garbage. These models are you've told me You've told me lots of things that are wrong with you. That's just one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed you're you won't hate this one i promise this one's got oh. this one's got the this one's the least anime anime that's what you said about infinity and here we are, <laughs> here we are exactly yeah. <laughs> now i own almost the whole faction i know he's got all of all of the o12 he's be buying the bakun and cat girls next <laughs> mm. all right so that took that was the longest intro ever uh let's jump in now for those of you who patiently stuck with us as we bicker for like 45 minutes um and talk about your first event so so the point of this whole episode is we're trying to do things chronologically right by episode five you've gone through some list making fundamentals you've looked and, and figured out how to use a fire team you learned how to read a mission and and gone in and played your first game, and then you've had some res- you've got to chew on results, right? You've you figured out how to chew on how the game went, and if it didn't go well, and things that didn't didn't go your way. And so we're talking about events today, um, and this this felt really kind of poignant uh, because I'm about to run a, an event myself. Tactical Awareness is doing the Winter War, and we're trying to do them quarterly, so. I did want to I did want to run a type of event where we hadn't done a big event in a long time here in Canada, in Ontario especially. Uh, and I wanted to keep it simple because people of different, you know, um, sort of like backgrounds in Infinity were coming together. It was the first and four big event for for Toronto too, or Southern Ontario. Um, and and while there's a lot of like styles of events you can play Infinity in, I want this episode to reference the ITS tournament pack because it's the most commonly used and freely available style of event. Um, I also want to acknowledge that this event can take place both physically and virtually, but the primary focus for this episode is going to be in-person gatherings that are traditionally held for these types of events. All right, so let's jump in. Um, when you first start playing any game, it can feel like a really big stretch from starting out to going to your first event. Um, it can sometimes seem like everybody knows more than you and you got to be, they're going to be more prepared than you are and no more and and you you kind of have this like looking over your shoulder feeling like like everything's gonna gotcha like there's there's some danger behind every box during the game and it's entirely possible this is true uh events can call together a whole mix and range of experience levels of players into a single place so why you should event uh attend an infinity event early in playing the game um and become comfortable with the rules i think is is for a bunch of reasons but i've got six here five here that i've laid out uh that i think are important for newer players and i really should encourage people to go and and jump into trying to play an event early on in in playing the game so again caveat you should know the basic core fundamentals of the rules you should have played at least a couple games uh and know how to move in and shoot with your guys but you don't need to be too far into the game i would say that dan was probably ready to play in an infinity event like after like the first two weeks of playing so so reasons why you should you get to play at least three games in a day uh it's just a good day of gaming so going to an infinity event means that you get to play back to back to back games and there's something about getting reps of a game in that makes you more comfortable with it this is a big one uh for me and owen that we used to talk about you get to be exposed to more types of armies than you might normally get to play against and more ways those armies get played it's really easy when you first start playing to only see the strengths and weaknesses of like your most common opponent's armies and you tend to like you tend to think that that's how the game works 
Um, and once you get exposed to more players, more armies, you get, you kind of settle down into, oh, it's all chaos. <laughs> and you watch your, your, your common opponent who thrashes you with certain tactics get thrashed themselves. Uh, you get to play a collection of models through multiple strategic challenges and learn even more about what they're good and bad at doing. So you get to play different missions back to back and see what maybe the same list is good and bad at. Uh, you practice your communication skills and manage your own tilt, which is super important. And you can get cool swag for your army from the ITS packs, pins, patches, like just stuff you can't buy. Uh, events are great for any level of Infinity player, but I would offer that they're actually the most valuable at the beginning of your experience because the socially driven nature of the game tends to build confidence and you get more comfortable with it more quickly. Have you been to an event yet, Dan? I have not. No? Is there any coming up? I think there's an ITS in January for, I was just looking at the... In February, uh, the there's the Carbonite one. Oh, there's colder than carbonate. I thought there was going to be like a like a, a dojo event. I was looking at your community. Uh, I know there was a whole bunch of conversation around it, but mm -hmm. there was a game. There was a game day for sure. I saw there was a games day uh, for Sentry Box planned because I spy on what you guys have going on. In <laughs> so every every Saturday, there's a bunch of people who get together and play at Sentry Box. Right. Yeah, not an official event, but but yeah. the colder than carbonate satellite event is coming up relatively soon. Uh, yeah, there, which I don't know if I want to spend a weekend in Edmonton. It's like a three-hour drive. Which That's is fair, terrible, yeah. But uh, like I, I went. That was the Malifaux tournament I went to like last month, right? Like, two months ago. But I don't I want to go because the scenario choices are atrocious. Oh, but... don't stop! <laughs> oh, Owen. <laughs> I mean, um, I guess now you have to. Now you have to tell us why. Now you, I guess you now have to tell us why. So, what? What's your umbrage with this? And, and and stop using the hyperbole. Just instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, I, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. <laughs> Fuck no, sake! Hang on. What country are we in? He doesn't even know what he's talking. About. He just made an assumption. Um, I'm, well, I'm just going to make claims. No, I'm just going to make claims. Just gonna throw throw claims out there. I'm totally so I'm looking at it. I need I'm, to go to a tournament. Yeah, I think you should. I think you definitely should. <laughs> so the, it's not. It's this. Okay. It's firefight supplies, power pack, countermeasures, and unmasking. How is that a bad selection of tournament of event? I, That's, I didn't know which missions they were. You did. <laughs> oh my god. Look, I'm only going to um, make informed statements on this podcast, okay? <laughs> All right. So everything is a lie, including this. Everything I say is the truth, except for the lies. And this is also the truth. Um, <laughs> right, so now that I'm completely off the rails, uh, let's talk one more time about uh, HVTs and classifieds. We're not going to talk too much about that, even though we're going to talk about events. Um I'm I'm still not going to dive too much, even though we, we talked about them a little bit earlier, uh, to try and keep these evergreen uh, and the um, sort of like discussion of them, getting too in the weeds of them might not be useful in the future. So we might not talk too much about HVTs and class classifieds. So let's talk about the steps then for, for an event. And I think Dan's going to have some useful feedback on this one anyway, because he's been to lots of events for other, other games. Um, but there's some nuts and bolts stuff for playing in an Infinity event for the first time. So first things, preparing to go. Um, you should register on the Infinity website uh, because OTM is run completely through the Infinity website. That's the online tournament manager for Infinity. It's one of like, I can't say enough good things about the digital assets for this game. I think Owen and I have long compared everyone's 
like free online army building app to infinity army i, I i'll say it again it's the and best. even the paid ones <laughs> and even the paid ones yeah we definitely i remember when you first started playing infinity and you were you were looking at war room and being like why is this free like i paid 70 bucks for this war room app and this is just free like it, like it melted your brain um early on so by registering for the Infinity website and using Infinity Army, you can save your lists and you can actually save them in the cloud, which is really handy because I'll noodle on my phone all the time and make lists. And as long as on the app on my phone or even on the app on your um, on your desktop, if you're logged into your profile for your ITS handle, uh, and once you create the, the, the profile on the Infinity website, you can then save your list to the cloud. It also allows you to upload them digitally later on. And that's really, really cool because it lets... Um, the inclusion of of certain units and lists they don't have a model so if something's really commonly being proxied um then uh corpus belly can see that because it's being used in tournaments but no model exists for it it gets pushed up in the production line and we've seen tons of models that might not be like the army feature for this year get new sculpts based on um, them being included in that metadata. So it's really, I always encourage people always, always, always upload your lists because it's really useful for CB to see what's being used, especially if it doesn't have a model or the models are to production or older or something like that. Uh, then like I just did, you can find an event online. So once you've got your profile made, it'll, it'll, it'll kick you to your local area. And when you go to the community tab on the Infinity website, you can see and browse all the ITS events in your area and also non-tournament events. There's also like painting nights, Krugs, you can post as a worker any kind of event up there and leagues for like learning like learning learning games and stuff. Uh, there's a ton of um, other stuff out there that you can go and browse to try and subscribe to. And then you subscribe to the, the event on the OTM. There's like a little button that says subscribe and you contact the organizer and then pay any required ticket fees. That's like the nuts and bolts of like finding an event near you. Uh, then you got to check out the missions. So you got to find out what you're playing, how many rounds the event's going to be, and what the winning conditions are. And this is this is one that I, I want to get the feedback from Owen about because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of sort of like opinion out there right now that you can kind of just play any mission from by killing. <laughs> uh and Owen used to subscribe to that pretty hard. I wonder after having played uh, quite a bit now in the last month and a half, how do you feel about the current mission pack and whether or not that's still true? Oh, it's 100% still true. <laughs> okay can you elaborate uh, like uh i like that i like that you're just captain hyperbole like uh, everything's 100 110 everything's yeah. a million billion yeah. times sources i, I made it up <laughs> um we're, we're uh, such a reputable podcast no uh it there's a lot of moving pieces in the current like scenario sets of like um what's the I think it's cryo something where Project there's the four, the one. Yeah. the four boxes and you unlock them. And then there's like a, a 60, 30, 60, 40, that there's going to be an HVT in it. Yep. And then if you don't find those, then they become the HVTs and then you have to dominate every quarter, but then the quarters with HVTs are worth more. And then if you have Jimmy, the special man in the one, you get an additional point, but each round that he's in, but not at the end. <laughs> the key, and it's like the key ops is Jimmy, the special this, man. <laughs> this is a lot of extra text for, I, I kill two thirds of your army and then I just do button pushing until the game ends. Sure. And yeah, but, but you have to, you have to dominate the zones of control near the, um, near the, the but, no, there's, right. there's round scoring in that one too, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Um, so, so, so turn killing, one, kill, just... killing isn't necessarily going to, um, we need that game. Cause you could also just camp 
uh, the round scoring for the zones and make yourself inaccessible, right? Be in like a, a marker state or be like hiding on a rooftop or something like that. I guess my perspective is I always find it harder to set up good defenses than it is to dismantle defenses. And yeah, so, especially like, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a mission pack where everyone's got super jump for free all of a sudden. Right. And so like your ability to just go out and remove anything that, that could stop whatever defense, like, like Sunduck Butt has problems with long range enemies. So you're like, here's my two fides that kill everyone who could reach out and hurt him. And that he is sitting eight inches up in the middle of the board. Um, back to you. Sure. Right. So, so I'll I mean, get that's, to the points eventually. But I, I if, guess. I guess what I'm saying is, uh, you're so you're talking about you. You are talking about moving pieces, though, right? We're not talking about killing in the in the form of just like having a couple of models Rambo across the table or warbands Rambo across the table, and just do so much damage that like the 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 game is irrecoverable from the beginning. Like something puts doing something puts doing like reactive damage, you know what I mean? Like the fides are like scalping out specific like pieces that can hurt the Sonic butt. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't know. I, I that was my perspective when it's like I don't need to play this scenario if I have all of the right tools to scalpel your list apart. Do you think that the but, scenario packs are varied enough that you can't do that every game, right? That like you can't just uh set up Sonic butt have Fidays go kill things that can kill Sonic Butt and then win, right? Like if that's if that's the core like one two of that list build, um, do you feel like there's enough like variety in the the mission pack to to make it so that's not viable every time? I mean, I've only played one event since I've started playing again, right? Um, and in that one event, that one two three combo was the only thing I played all day because. The list, like I had, look, I had read the scenarios and I looked at it and I was like, okay, this will be, this is kind of this list and that's kind of that list. And then after my first game, which I ended up losing um, through a bunch of like learning like things like the dodge into line of fire and just some some un, not ideal roles in, in very specific situations. Um, I was like, okay, so this is what I'm going to run into. And then, then it was lunch. So you got to walk around and you look at the armies and you talk to people and get an idea of like what everybody's playing right and you're like oh i'm just gonna face this same list wearing different hats all day long so i'm only gonna play the same you're gonna have a link you're gonna have a harris you're gonna have two specialists you're gonna have a drop troop you have this so i'm gonna bring assassins and kill you and assassins and kill you and just break those links apart game after game after game mm -hmm. and like two out of three i made it mm -hmm. It's something that's, that's interesting because that's that's actually a a really great dovetail into the advice for new players is that it preparing one list uh that you think can perform no missions but after you've read the missions it, it can be incredibly useful the first time you go it's really tempting to like make multiple lists that you think are perfectly tailored for one or a particular mission in the thing but very often you can just switch out maybe a model um in your list uh and you might be better served like you did like you were owen by just having a one-two punch you're really familiar with that seemed had, to work on the I trend made another list thinking that like okay this is what i'll play into this scenario and this is what i'll play into that scenario and then i realized like very quickly within the first like 20 minutes of watching like oh i see this is this is link team shooting hacking all over the place combined with missile bot combined with double link combined with this like and then you talk to other people and you're like, it's the same thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to bring this list every game now. 
uh, because well, my other one potentially is better at fighting the uh, the scenario and like doing the objectives. It doesn't mean anything if I'm going to get killed by this hacking net missile shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So I just I'm not going to play that game. I'm just going to go and scalpel all of those pieces away. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And 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 it was useful too because you were it was your first event back after a, a big hiatus. And so yeah. you had you you'd figured a familiar sort of like one two combo and you used it and you got to like sharpen it. So I think that's because because you you ended up you ended up seeing some stuff in the meta. So like I think that's interesting is that you checked in the missions and you and you you sort of like made a list that you thought could handle the missions, and then you made a list that you thought could kill things, and then you just opted for kill things during the event. Yeah. Um, it's also useful to play the games before. Obviously, you just dove right in. Like, I think you came back from Toronto from, from flying into Toronto and like dove right in event the next later week. that day. Like later that day. I was like <laughs> four hours later, and you were you were out there playing an infinity game, which I thought was great. Um so so this is this is the next one, and I'd like to hear what you guys think about that, which is managing your expectations. So once you've like looked through the missions, you made some lists, you have an idea of what you want to accomplish. I think managing your expectations is really important. And so I got some, some prompts here. What do you want to get out of the event? What do you think the benefit of going will be? And then what will you do if you lose all three games? And what will you do if you win all three games? These are some things that I like to ask myself, especially if I'm going to an event for the first time or a tournament for a game. I've never been to a tournament before. Um, and and I'd, I'd like to hear what you guys think about that, especially you, Dan, because you've been to lots of tournaments, but you've never been to an infinity tournament. So like going in with expectations, I find can really help me manage the results once I get there and help me parse like the players I play against. Do you have, do you have any experience or have you thought about that at all? Like planning on going to an event? Yeah, I guess like I'm thinking about like first events that I've played for like different games, uh, whether it be like 40K or War Machine or Malathor or whatever. And it's kind of like the first tournament you go to uh you go and you just try to remember all your rules of your army you you try to play your army in a way that you're not like oh my gosh that was really stupid like my games against owen earlier today where i was like why did i bring that baggage uh remote up when i am the first player so i can throw it in and die that doesn't do anything and then this and then this mission it gives me two additional orders so there's no reason for it to come out of hiding but i put it up front because i was not thinking clearly and so it's like not doing stuff like that where it's like Mm -hmm. okay i'll lose but just play my list somewhat effectively and i'll die out of the ignorance of other people's tactics and 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 models but i won't lose because i was stupid with my models and Mm -hmm. so that would be that would be primary goal um if i lost all three games um it would it would all depend on like did i lose because of ignorance or did i lose because uh, I was playing poorly. Mm. If I won all three games, uh, I would put those dice in a special case <laughs> because that would be the only reason because <laughs> I diced the crap out of my opponent. Right. Uh, but uh, the benefit would definitely be um, just experience. I'm just learning the game, learning all the stuff I don't know about. What is this? Uh, and again, in the tournament, you'll see the more powerful models and then you'll get to then go home afterwards and go okay so this is what i'm playing against and then instead of looking at lists and what other people do well it would be more okay well what models do i have what models do i need to collect to be able to have an answer to these to these problems or what models can i do to to cause them as many problems as they cause me Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and maybe it's existing models that already have i'm just going to play them differently but uh no new events especially when you're learning is probably the fastest way to learn although it might not be the most uh enjoyable if all you want to do is win I think it could be enjoy. Yeah, definitely. If all you want to do is win. Yeah. I think that's the important part of managing your expectations. Like, why are you going? Right. And if, and if you're going so that you can see what it's like, I think if you get your head right on it, then you don't really care what the result is because the result is you went to your first tournament, you know? And if you look at it like that as, Oh, I got to experience what an infinity tournament is like the result, like the, the, the outcome doesn't matter that much. And you get to go away with that sort of spectrum. I've never done this before kind of dispelled. And that, that reminds me vividly, actually, Owen, of you and I, I think, standing in the studio in maybe like 2016 or 2017, and we're planning to go to Adepticon, and you're planning to go and play some Infinity events, and you hadn't played an Infinity event yet, and I think your first one was going to be at Adepticon, and, and a conversation you and I had about like, I really, and you were just saying, I really want to see... I want to see how other people who aren't you play. Cause I played here locally. I played in like some gaming nights, at the local gaming stores. I played in a couple of like teeny little, like four person ITS events, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know what to expect. And you're like, I've, I've been through um, the war machine ringer and know what to expect from those guys, but I don't know what to expect from the infinity players. How did that go? Do, do you remember that like conversation and, and then the outcome when you went to Adepticon? Um. I remember the conversation. I remember going to the Adepticon event there. And I remember being um it was my expectation was like what happens in the 40k event at Adepticon. In the 40k Adepticon event, for those of you that don't know, is the sweatiest, most plannedest fucking tournament like <laughs> the, number, the number of people who i'd encounter who'd be like i have been i have been fine-tuning my list and every mechanic for the last year like the second i walked out of adepticon last year i had been building my list for this year and then i played at the infinity one and it was like yeah i've played infinity before <laughs> yeah there, and then and then mixed into that we're like yeah, I uh, I I have a podcast, or I do this, mm -hmm. or I've I've played five thousand games of yeah. me and the three people in our region, and I'm now number two on the ITS or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's no in between. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and the game was relatively young then. I mean, it wasn't young, but it was it wasn't the ITS scene wasn't nearly as big back then too. So that that's worth mentioning. Um, so you, you go out and you're like, one person you play is like, um. What, how strong is an HMG again? It's like, whoa, all right. <laughs> this isn't what I was expecting. And then the next person you play is like, uh, oh yes, you've got the you've got the lieutenant so and so, this, that, and that. It's like, yes. Hey, yes in our I game do. today, you didn't know the strength of a heavy shotgun. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> if it has I'm, heavy in the name, it's usually 15. <laughs> I had it in my head that it was 14, but I'm thinking boarding shotgun. Right. Is boarding shotgun still a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, okay. I think it's so valuable for people to hear that, Owen, that that when you 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 have an expectation going into like a big event and and then it gets subverted by like the reality of like, oh, there's people here from all different experience levels. And there's gonna be people at every event that are also just starting off. And I don't think that's changed. I don't think even if Infinity goes to being like a 50-year-old you know, like this is the game that your grandpa played, miniature game. 
um, that there won't still be new people coming and going because people drift in and out of playing these things, uh, you know, as, as an organized play and sort of competitively and seriously. And so you're always going to have a mix of experience levels. And, and, and I think that that's the, that's, that's a really valuable takeaway um, is that your, your vision of what it's going to be like is almost never as dire as what the or sorry is never it's it's never quite as dire as what your vision of it's going to be like when you get there it's all it's always almost always more relaxed and much more of a mixed bag and you typically find your people at an event like that and end up playing against them because it's ranked that way you lose your first game you're going to play a bunch of guys that you can probably have a great game with because they're going to be asking the same questions you ask you'll be learning together and it's that kind of game right where communication is so key i find uh to kind of answer these questions in my perspective um like what I'm always interested in the events is just like, what is everyone doing? Like, how do you, how do you solve the puzzle that is this game? Um, in like, what, what do you feel are the appropriate things that you use to do it? And that like, that's the enjoyment that I get out of it is what else, what, what is everyone doing? Like, it's the same idea of like the event that I went to here, having not played with anybody in the meta, anyone in the region, didn't really know anybody's names, um, just showed up one day and it was like oh this is neat this is what everyone's doing here you get to chat with a bunch of people kind of like see who it is that you'd like to play more with and stuff like that mm-hmm. um like if i lose all three of my games that's great it means i have to go back and reassess the way i'm thinking about this that there's the problems change to such a degree that i'm no longer like i'm not i'm not paying attention like i don't know mm-hmm. what to do and yeah. if i win them all i actually like I dislike that. Like I, I find that I uh I have to like like armies get shelved whenever I win events. I've never I've never seen you more bored with the game than when you think you have it solved. When yeah. when when you when things when things like when you have something that you can just repeat and people either don't see it coming or don't adjust to it or whatever and or they can't adjust to it because yeah. it's another like th- this was the Shazvasti thing where I had started playing that and then almost immediately stopped playing them. Like mm-hmm. I immediately went back to just playing Hawk Islam and other things because yeah. it was like, oh, I could just bring eight tigers. All right. Well, I'm, and this is an end. I'm done, I'm done with listening this. now. It's not, <laughs> it's not that bad anymore. The yeah. the hard model cap fixed that quite yeah. a bit. 22 models, eight of which are tigers. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was obnoxious. I had to, I had to beat my head against that a few times. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's really important um, as just like a like a callback to something we said earlier, right? Getting to play a variety of people and re-experience the game, um, I think is one of the real strengths of Infinity. It, it you you get to almost um, uh, start from scratch whenever you change factions. Whenever you go to an event and someone new shows up and shakes things up, I think you're probably you you know you're I've seen a bunch of posts in the Facebook group for the um Calgary Infinity just talking about you guys coming in and shaking things up and playing different armies and screwing around like your double Maggie list and people joking and and mentioning it. Um it's kind of that what's the what's that movie catfish, that catfish thing. The catfish keep the other fish moving. That's that is a great thing in Infinity is more people trying more lists and and joining into an event shakes things up and makes the game interesting again. Yeah, nobody likes tags. I'm gonna bring tags in every list. <laughs> really, nobody likes tags. Wow. Except for Ariadna. I don't know what I'm gonna do there. Maybe just all bugs. No, <laughs> well, you can take the Chernobog. The Chernobog. parachutists. Chernobog's great. I like Chernobog. Yeah, like when I was playing a few games against the locals, it was just like, oh, you brought a tag, and I was like. Yeah, I mean that's yes. that's that happens in 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 communities though. Like Owen said earlier, communities settle. 
right? They settle into, oh, this is the thing, you know what I mean? And then someone comes in and shakes it up and they have to readjust and goes, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not part of that belief system. I'm going to take whatever I feel like taking. And all of a sudden everyone has to go, oh, that climbing tag is killing my whole army from the top of the ceiling right now. It's burst five. <laughs> it's burst five and it can stick to walls. It, it can shoot three of my guys at the same time and win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's I think it's it's a it's a way of uh, I I almost think um I think I made the Blood Bowl reference earlier today, Dan, which both of you will get is it's why there's like tier one, tier two, and tier three Infinity armies too, right? Once you get bored of the tier one armies, you move on to the tier two and the tier three. I, was, I think I described N two A like that earlier today, where um uh they're the they're the armies you can you can dip in for a challenge, right? Because they don't necessarily have like a cohesive theme, and it's Wait, more, where's like twelve interesting. In there is no O12, but some of their units show up occasionally. Uh, there's no I like mean, rogue tier. cops. Oh, D- O12. I yeah. I don't know. I think they're. I think all the all the vanilla factions. Solid are tier, tier two. I think all the vanilla factions are tier one. I think all the vanilla factions are tier one, just because of the the availability of choice. You get so many units and so many options. Um. Yeah, I think all the all the vanilla factions are pretty, pretty tier one, pretty pretty evenly matched, except for Pano. Pano sucks. Uh, you went this a totally different way. All right, fair. <laughs> Fan of sucks. Um, so anyway, so there we go. Expectations. I, I I would agree with everything you guys just said. Um, I think whenever I go to an event, well, I like hosting events. That's different for me because I like hosting events. I like seeing people have a good time. Um, and so obviously that's coming through in my kind of philosophy of like, if you go to an event with an expectation of the outcome you're going to have a better time i i like i like seeing everybody in an event even the people that come in last place have a good time and so i think that's a really important thing to ask yourself beforehand um and i think all you both you guys brought up some really great points from different very different experience levels in the game um so i don't have too much to add so part two is on the day on the day you've gone to your first event uh what should you do when you get there um, i would also just real quick sure. one other thing you should do before you go measuring tape tokens <laughs> yes like, yeah yeah how about all of the things all the things to play the event your te- your your classified deck if you don't have one reach out in advance guaranteed mm-hmm. your to or your community will have additional of everything because yeah. that's how this game goes yeah but nothing sucks more than when you show up and you don't have anything and no one knows that you don't have anything so you have to like constantly do the question i've been there I've made mistakes and forgotten stuff. It happens to everybody. It's easy if you just say it in yeah. advance. I literally forgot my tape measure when I went to that ITS at Black Knight back in November. <laughs> I was like, do you guys have any for sale? And Jay's like, I just have this one with a Black Knight logo on it. I was like, I guess I'm buying that. And I went and bought one. And then I wanted a measuring gauge because the tape measure was driving me crazy and they didn't have any measuring gauges for sale. So I went and bought um, a like steel ruler from Army Painter that's meant for like cutting plastic cards. <laughs> so I used that for the entire event. This is a little eight inch like steel ruler that was used for like modeling. <laughs> just one again. one more little piece for new new players is just, just come prepared. Yeah, have your stuff. Have a print off list. If you can too, print off the scenarios. It's really useful. Like people say, like, oh, it's on your phone. You have it on your phone. Print off your scenarios and print off your lists. It's so much easier to have the paper in front of you than it is to play off your phone. Um, and it lets your opponent I have your courtesy list too. Your opponent will feel a lot better about playing you if they can see your courtesy list. Uh, and your TO world as well. So on the day, um, first things first, uh, I, I actually did mention a couple of those things that I brought up, but the first one is ask oh, okay. the Warcore TO any questions you might have. 
Um, so if you have like any lack of clarity about like the day or the time or anything like that, go and talk to the worker on the team. Even just introduce yourself, like talk to the person that's running this thing, because that way they know who you are and you know who they are. Talk to your opponent and look at the table before your first game. Ask anything you want to know about the train and their opponent's courtesy list about their army. Start communicating right from the very beginning. Uh, and more importantly, if this is your first event, talk about every piece of terrain on the table and ask any questions you might have about it. Like if there's, if there's clumps of trees on the table, you and your opponent should agree what they count as before the game starts or ask your TO if you guys can't agree. But get all that stuff hashed out before you start rolling dice and putting models down. Uh, next one is talk it out during the game. Never hesitate ever, ever, ever. And as a worker, I've said this at the beginning of every event I've ever run. Never hesitate to put your finger anywhere on the table and say, what do I know about that can see this spot? You should do that before every action where you want to move a model or change something. It's just, it's the, it's the social contract in action. And the more you do it, the more you get used to doing it, um, the better your communication with your opponent's going to be. And then when Always you're done, respond to that question with, from what you can see, no one can see that. That was prevented though. <laughs> he said, I, I, the question itself says, what do I know about that can see this spot? Fair enough. So, so they, they, you always respond your, and you double down on it. Yeah, you try to double down on the paranoia. <laughs> Only with the psyops, always nothing you know about can see that spot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I've been I've been trying to incorporate that more in my games, and it it, it makes the game a lot more functional yeah. and a lot easier and enjoyable to play. Because there's no gotchas of like go around the corner. Ha! It's just kind of hey, if I put this model here, if I come around this corner, can you see me? Let's, yes. let's okay. sit down we'll put the little token down yeah it looks like i can see you so then even if it's like oh you know what maybe he couldn't actually see you realize later on you still you both agreed at the time that's mm -hmm. good enough yeah and when you're meeting new people for the first time reinforcing that social contract it gets rid of all the awkwardness like start Dang. talking early and just get all that stuff on the table because there's when you're playing a stranger in your first few events and that's usually what happens you're gonna be playing strangers when you go to, to these events playing people from out of town from all over the place and meeting people for the first time having a great game means communicating and you you will always own the result of a game where you made informed decisions where you asked and got the best information you could before you made a decision and the dice rolls are the dice rolls you don't worry about them so much they don't you don't feel that tilt ash are you are you asking uh nerds to be social yeah Okay. I don't know if you ever. I don't know if you ever observed this, Dan. But <clears throat> when people who typically are introverted are passionate about a subject, they instantly turn to extroverted. If you've ever watched my son talk about Minecraft, <laughs> trying to get him to talk about I don't know the the weather, and he'll be bored to death. But if you want to ask him about Minecraft, he'll talk to you for hours. Uh, it's like that kid from uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines who wants to talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> He'll <laughs> talk to you about dinosaurs all day. Uh, and then when you're done, thank your opponent for the game and take the time in between rounds to ask questions about what they were thinking while it was going on or what they were worried you might do that you either didn't do or could have leaned into. You can often learn a lot about your army by seeing what the other side was fretting about. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that because that is one of the most valuable things I've ever done at an event is go, so the event's done even if i win like is there anything you wished i like that you were like worried i was gonna do that i didn't do because i'd love to hear that and then i offer that some information like i was terrified you were going to blah or you were going to do this or you're going to do that and and that's that's a really useful download have you guys ever experienced that um not i don't really think i've done that that much 
Uh, maybe a little bit, like in casual games, but never in tournament day. I uh, I find that it it's it's something that comes up, especially if you win in a in a fight in a game, where you go like, I was concerned that this was what you're gonna do, or, hey, I would I would really remember that that guy can do that thing, because yeah. that might help you in the later today. Um, yeah. I'd always offer that as a winner. Yeah. Even if, especially if someone doesn't ask, if they're looking like they're glum or they didn't like the result, they didn't have a great time. That's, that's a great point Owen. It's like, here's, here's these pieces that you had that I was concerned about that you, that I feel you didn't use to their full potential. And it may be that you aren't aware that that's that much of a threat in this situation. Or, or if you come across my army again, you see this little guy, this little guy's a great linchpin. Yeah. Yeah, this guy can, this guy can, that, that thing that happened to you, this guy right here, I yeah. was horribly worried that you were going to unleash him on this and it would undo what I was planning. Yeah, or or when you see this guy lining up, remember, he's going to do insert ability. Yeah. And through that combination of abilities, this is the outcome you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's easy as a veteran player. You got to be careful because you don't want to come off as like supercilious. But if you're having that post game and someone asks you that question... Be honest too, because I've I've re- I've said those things Owen, e- even in response to someone saying like, "Is there anything that I could have done differently, or how do you feel that game went?" And I'll be like, "Oh, dude, you there was this, this, and this that definitely could help you." Out. And if you remember that the rest of the event, I think you have a great game next game. Um, it, it again, it just comes down to good communication, and you're not trying to. It's not even information that you were like hiding during the game it because it, it's not like you're not answering questions or talking things out with people but there can very often be times where even you thinking about the game that just happened if you want it can go oh man thank god this didn't happen or thank god i killed this guy earlier thank god that i i mean you stumbled into something that that your opponent had control over um and it's a good thing that didn't happen or you get the lucky situation you get the you get the crit on a four and it's mm-hmm. like Ooh, that whole game like I was, I was on the verge of getting wiped out on the one side, and then a guy who shouldn't have won won through chance, mm-hmm. and with everything going against it, you got it in the end. And like that's where I know everyone leans on dice and is like, "Oh, dice betrayed me." And it's like, "Well, yeah, they did," but like, well, it can be it can be non rule and tactic related too. It can call right back to last episode where I've said I've I know I've said to people after games like. You, you spent seven orders trying to kill this one guy and you could have just walked this other guy over around a corner and sat there, right? Like it's pointing out tilt. It's pointing out um, like yeah, at the, what point the was loss of objectivity and killing that guy winning you this scenario. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pointing out that lack of objectivity or, or, or just trying to help them get back on track of being objective. Now, when you fail whip checks trying to push buttons, what? What can you do? <laughs> that's that, that's <laughs> you can only do so time. much. That's when you just go. Yeah, that's when you walk to the bar and you buy a beer. That's yeah. a different. That's a that's a whole other different. Download. When you when you failed those four whip fifteens, I yeah. did win. You're but right. When someone when someone <laughs> grinds their link team to extinction against some arrow piece or some um some like hard target they couldn't like crack, and you go, oh, they really just needed to to go into the zone and have their bodies there. And you would have scored that round and been up by two. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a conversation at yeah. the end. Um, especially don't be afraid to ask because most people who've been playing the game for a long time will, will either have seen it or be thinking about it after the game. And I would say 90% of infinity players are more than happy to offer you that answer. 
Um, and, and I think there's a lot of times it will come back to some stuff that we shared last episode about, about those moments where, um, even if you won, there could be moments like that where you could have won bigger or you could have won easier. Or you could have like not been distressed out over the course of the game, um, by making a different decision and not necessarily losing some of your objectivity. And it's easy at your first few infinity tournaments to, 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 you know, feel like you're rushed. You're playing under a clock. You have a time limit. Um, and, 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 and you are that. yeah for the record absolutely nothing is more bitter for both players than only getting to turn two yes absolutely yeah that's that is a that is a good point um better to play efficient. lose and move on than yeah. to be trapped in a like oh but oh, if i i mm, mm. hey guys 40 minutes left uh yeah, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, just spend take your Go just big orders. Yeah, the spend the orders. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, spend the orders. Um, yeah, and the, and Infinity is a game where unfortunately unscrupulous players can sandbag, especially on any of the end um end state scenarios. If somebody's just a slow player and then they're in all three zones with more points, and it's turn two, and they're going second, and they bled it all the time, and you don't get that last turn to push them out, even if they've overexposed themselves or made terrible decisions like i've seen it happen there's been a few games where the guy who maybe didn't deserve to win and sandbagged the whole game um ended up winning and it's that's a really bitter pill to swallow so make sure you're being uh time conscious but without losing that objectivity all right then part three is after the event is over so not on the day anymore and it's debriefing yourself there's a, a north american saying it's called monday morning quarterbacking um, and what that means is taking a look at any of the feedback you got from your opponents or that you kind of observed in yourself for consistency or similarity and consider what that means overall and see if you can take away anything from playing so many games in a single day. Like if, if in three of three games, you, you know, ground, a, a hitting piece or a, a gunfighter to pieces against a target that was too hard. Remember that, remember that you did that and try and look for other solutions to those problems. The next time you play a game, there's almost always something valuable to learn when something comes up more than once in a, in a series of games that you play back to back to back about how you play and what you're playing or about your list design. It could be about a bunch of different topics, but that's where after you've like gone away from the event and you sit and you think about it for a minute um, it, there's a, there's a useful download afterwards. And especially if you went with a group, like if you took two or three friends or you got with it, you know, you made a friend over the course of it, or, you know, a buddy from the local game store was in the same event as you have that conversation a couple of days later. And you can usually pull something useful out of um, things that come up more than once. Uh, and at the end, be proud of your performance, no matter what it was, the things you should grade yourself on are not how you place the event. Uh, it could be a part of it, but it's more about how did you, feel about those outcomes um, and your expectations when you went in. Did you meet your own expectations? Did you learn something new about how you play? Did you meet some new people that you were going to play against? Did you get the thing that you wanted out of the event, right? Did you benefit from uh, playing multiple scenarios in the day? And ask yourself how you did communicating, learning, and debriefing, because those are the real skills that let you stay on mission and score higher in the future. So no matter how you do in that first event, those are the actual skills you're practicing going to an ITS, right? It's communicating well, learning about your army and your opponent's armies and the variety of interactions that can happen in Infinity, and then how to debrief yourself, how to talk about the game after it's over, and how to get the best sort of like learning situation out of playing so many games in a single day.
Did you guys have any thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I'll just comment on, like I said, the last event I went to and like the debriefing of that I like went through myself having, mm -hmm. having like in, in retrospect, I, I think I lost two and I went two and one or one and two or something. Um, I, moral of the story was games were not one is kind of the perspective that I had. And it right. was like, I am, I am much more out of the loop on the game than I thought I was like that. I remember like more more minor things have changed and more unit profiles are not what they used to be than i thought was the case there's more drift yeah and so like a lot of the things that i'm used to as staples and the things that i remembered as like here's what this does and here's how effective it is the math wasn't quite the same anymore like the things that you would have beaten before you you couldn't necessarily beat now right. and vice versa and so it, it made it very much like cool i i got to play a bunch of different people who i can play again now going forward like there's there's game days and stuff like that and i can now start trying to just unpack like how do you do this again what are the viable choices what what should i do in this situation what should i do in that like if i'm going to play against toha what what does the toha look like now like i don't think i see gal rails as much but now there's this new size five or six guy who who seems to be a monster and i'm gonna have to learn how to deal with that and things like that yeah, I think that's I think that's useful in and of itself that you you discovered sort of like where the game had moved away from you. Um and and knowing you, I think that kind of that that revitalizes your interest in the game usually. That's that's where you start to get interested in, oh, I don't know everything about this anymore. I I get to go and like have that experience of figuring it out again. And you made some you made some sort of like um judgments i think i the the big thing i remember from that first event was you feeling like the missile bot spam was really prevalent um and all the things i heard you come up with were were sort of like current meta hot topic discussions online too so it seemed very on brand that they would be the things you picked up on because they were things that the community was kind of talking about like era spotlighting and you know lots of missile bots and just this stuff that had sort of like gone into the zeitgeist and people were talking about even on the internet um were your takeaways from going to that event which i thought was really cool because it meant that those same people in the community that were talking about it were going to events and playing it and trying it out and that there was some real world impact on those conversations it wasn't just like random theorizing on the internet it was actually stuff that was being applied in the real world and then the right. net sort of result I saw that was you bought a JSA army. You bought something that was different and off-brand and tried to win with it. <laughs> which is yeah, your, which I, is your usual mode. You went you went against the grain. Well, I was like, yeah, I, I'm I'm still like, I don't know. I'm I'm much more incentivized, like I'm more interested right now in getting away from Core Link, Harris team, Missabot, Hackernet. Like, if I'm gonna run into that every game, I'm not gonna play it. I just refuse. <laughs> I'm gonna go play double Maggie and see where we get. That was that's been that was my my like takeaway. Yeah, well, you saw what the meta was moving towards and what was sort of common in the meta, and then you immediately ran the other direction, which is which is your 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 usual mo. It's it's what you what I've like. I I think is one of your strengths as an infinity player is you try and you try and subvert expectations and bring things people aren't expecting. Um, and so to see what the commonalities were in a lot of lists that were being built and played locally to you, I think was useful information because yes, of course you decided that that was what you weren't going to do from like a, 
I don't know, like a quasi ethical standpoint, but also it just wasn't interesting to you because it was common. And so you started to go and hunt for things that were different, like smiley face Harris bike teams and <laughs> total reaction, weird chibi bots and stuff like that. Like um, not total action, total immunity. So it, I think oh, that's, I, yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's a useful takeaway, right? You get to see by going to that event, sort of like what, what the, kind of landscape is for the game uh and that made you that made you i think gather a bunch of data and then get to do some stuff afterwards what about you dan i mean you haven't played an event but you've played a bunch of games now has it shaped has it shaped how you feel about the faction i force you to play like has it made you <laughs> has it made you like this is a force you to play but then i i shoved i basically shoved at you and said now you play infinity um you're out of excuses that does it shape like how you look at other factions like has it made you interested in other factions to play the faction that you played like are you like a are you are you into like faction monogamy so i'm pretty faction monogamous for the most part until it's like if i'm there's some things like i remember like when i was playing 40k i played the crap out of orcs and uh the original thing of me playing orcs was it was the other three factions I wanted to play were already being played by other people. Hey, you didn't have a choice about that either. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'll play this one, I guess. And then I remember uh, Matt, uh, you know, childhood friend, was like, just don't paint them cartoony because that'll look stupid. <laughs> and that was, okay, I guess I'm playing orcs. And then uh, and then I just owned the crap out of that, uh, that faction and I loved it. And I found what was enjoyable in the faction and played the crap mm-hmm. out of it. But then around 6th edition, I think it was, or fifth edition? No, I think it was sixth edition, where it was like in close combat. Even when you you grab models from the front, and I was like, let me go with my close combat boys, where they they can't shoot, but they can close combat. Oh wait, your guys attack first. You kill so many boys that when I when I move in, I don't get to go in combat. But then at the end of the turn, we move in again because those are the rules. And then you get to hit me again without me doing anything at all. Okay, I'm done with orcs. This is this is bull crap. <laughs> oh. My knob with the power claw is the only thing that can do damage. Oh, you get to challenge me and kill me right off the bat? Okay. So now I can, my faction doesn't function anymore with these new rules. What the crap is this? And so then I started playing other factions or tried to play other things right. in 40k. So, I mean, I haven't found that yet with O12. And until I experience that, I will uh, I will keep playing O12. I don't, I don't think Infinity is capable of that, to be honest with you. <laughs> because because a guy's a guy's a guy and a gun's a gun's a Yeah, they're a not that Infinity, different. Right? Not that like, different. Your, your factions are just are just the to what degree do you get access to the equip the, the you know the 77 pieces of equipment and 120 you know 120 pieces of equipment and 77 skills that make up the game so right, like right it's, now it's, just a, it's your ingredients it's like what i was saying earlier i was like looking at starmada and o12 and i was like okay so starmada is more like the okay you got your core you got your harris uh, and you got that just like every other faction kind of thing. Well, they're the sectorial. Bonus. Yeah, they're the one that right? they, they get those sectorial bonuses. Yeah, but I was like, but why did the vanilla factions exist? And why are people playing them? Because like the direct bonuses aren't like like that extra blast or the extra, you know, blitz of skill. They all seem like really good bonuses. And a few games of Starmada I played, I was like, yeah, it's like really enjoyable to kind of make crappy units good units or whatever. But then I just was kind of like, I want to figure out how to play vanilla. I want to be able to, if someone comes in and screws over or assassinates one of my Harris teams, it's not like my my gameplay falls apart. And so I actually want to focus on O12 more so, so that I learn how to actually use the most out of every model. 
Mm-hmm. And have and, way more options too. You get so then, many more then, yeah. profiles. Yeah. And then you have all the options and cool stuff. And then I don't know how long it's going to take. Then I'll start experimenting with Star Model more. Yeah. So I'll have basically all the models. Um, yeah. So that's nice. But so yeah, I really want to focus on the vanilla O12 and just kind of and just see what's there. And so it's uh it's kind of exciting to just to, to see. And I want to I want to be able to beat all these Harris's and Core teams with just my vanilla stuff and i want to figure out how to do that and i think that that's going to be my my moment of satisfaction and kind of goal when playing infinity right now i'm still like screwing up everything and forgetting rules and uh, right i'm just like oh yeah and it's it's like it's like activate this guy and he's gonna move over here i'm like oh i shouldn't have done that (laughs) instant regret i just i just wasted that order it's like oh wait no that was part of the duo i should have been had them as a duo when i deployed so i can make more effective Movement. I got you. You're still, you're still getting your skis under you. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, um, I I can see myself playing O12 for the foreseeable future. So, so for me, one of the things that I love seeing in events, and this is something I think you might experience in the near future, Dan, is a lot of factions in Infinity, especially the vanilla factions, have some overlap with other units in the game. We were just talking actually um, off mic about um your o12 having access to things like andromeda some alef units right um and hector and then other units like the um the the monstrucker like you said the these units that bleed into other factions one of my favorite experiences in infinity is when i have a sprinkling of a different faction built into my faction and then i go to an event and i play against that parent faction and i see that model in action somewhere else and i go oh i'm only like five or ten models away from actually just playing Aleph with the models I have already. Like I could just go play Aleph. And and that I love that. I love that that there's a lot of like cross-faction um overlap in Infinity and the hyperpowers and stuff too. So that it's actually you find your collection actually you, you already have another faction. You know what I mean? Like if you if you're playing O12, um you already have like a bunch of things that you could be playing that are just alif models <laughs> like you you could go tomorrow and be like oh well i've got a diva and i've got myself some dakini tack bots and you know i got a uh got a got a hector and got this and you could just be and i got hippolyta like they're all just alif units right like you could just be playing alif um and and so i think that's cool is that like you almost already play another faction just by by owning the current faction that you have and that's where i think infinity becomes really enjoyable as you stretch around and 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 move it into new directions and there's not you it's, have to, it's not like yeah, yeah but like it's imagine, not like it's not like being, being the kind of person who wants to play Aleph. <laughs> imagine imagine being more human than human you played Aleph, you dipshit <laughs> <laughs> thank you Ash. that was the joke oh that was the joke that's right i just made it up you did play i was actually having the conversation with owen the other day being like i own a lot of alien units mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, i mean and, and you could always just what i would do is i would paint like some uh cross faction stuff on like your copper bots and your fuzz bots you know what i mean so like you could like it doesn't really matter size three as long as they have the right guns and they're size three and size four you could easily just cross-purpose all your bots and stuff too. You know what I mean? Like these are just yeah. on loan from the cops to Aleph or vice versa. Go all the way. Don't put the weapons on them and just claim they have everything. 
Oh God, that was, that was all of your haka slumber books. I didn't know what the fucking thing was for most of it. They just have chicken legs, and That's they right. have every gun they need in the situation. It all comes out of their eye hole, Ash. That's the yeah. it's the big middle eye hole. Sometimes it shoots rockets. Sometimes it shoots machine gun bullets. It goes in the square hole. Okay, then <laughs> comes out the round hole. Um, <laughs> so there we go. So that's it. That's our that's our advice on on talking about going to events, what you can get out of it, some practical advice about doing it, and I think why it's really important. New players go and play a bunch of games in a day. It's it's useful. Uh, I think Infinity is an event or not an event, a, a game that benefits from playing more different people more often um, and seeing the different sort of like the kaleidoscope of different armies out there and ways that the game can be played. So go find an event. Uh, you can let us know what you think about how uh, to approach playing in events in Infinity. Um, you can reach out to us on Patreon, Discord, Facebook, or on Spotify. And there's links in the podcast description. I'd like to thank all of our patrons so far. Um, we've got about 20 of you guys. You guys are amazing. Uh, and it's been fun hanging out with you guys in the patron discord uh, and answering your questions and hearing your feedback. And it really has helped populate, I think, where the podcast has gone so far. Um, so big thanks for listening and for you guys, uh, Owen and Dan, for jumping in and talking with this one, despite our argument. Uh, and you can tell us later in the comments about face-to-face -face roles. <laughs> we're, we're about to go offline and just argue for three hours. That's about right. Face -to -face <laughs> That's right. I'm face-to-face roles. So next, you guys can tell us. Next about... week, we'll, we'll have a conclusion. I, I can't wait for next week's show notes so that I can so that we can see who was the winner of this um i already said you're probably right I do. doesn't mean i like he's it sandbagging already <laughs> he's sandbagging already and on that high note of my impending victory good night everybody good night bye bye